Tvach. So we are beginning now, Sefer Dvarim, beginning with Parsha Dvarim. And Parsha Dvarim begins, these are the words for the vague term that Moshe spoke to the Jews on the other side of the Yardin, in the Midbar, and it lists all these places. Rashi explains, first of all, and these are the words, that's like sort of a very vague way to talk here, because what we're going to have now is words of Musr, words of rebuke. And in this Pasuk, all these words that seemingly are describing location are actually all hinting to the places where the Jewish people did something wrong that caused Hashem to upset with them. So therefore, because we don't want to disgrace the Jews, we're saying it sort of vaguely, these are the words, and instead of explicitly saying what they did wrong, the Musr is very, very soft. It's by listing all these places, and each name of a place is implying another issue. The Pasuk says that she spoke to all the Jewish people. Rashi says, why all? Because if you only spoke to some, others would say, what? You let Maisha talk to you like that? You didn't answer back? Maisha said, let me get you all together, and whoever has a response, let me know. And now we're going to go through the names of the places that the Pasuk enumerates. And each one is hinting to a sin. A midbar in the desert. So Rashi says, what do you mean in the desert? They weren't in the desert. Right now they're in Arvismayev. So the midbar is for how they angered Hashem in the midbar. When they said, oh, if only we had died by the hand of Hashem in the land of Mitzrayim. We're so good there. We sat by the pot of meat. We had so much food to eat. He took us in the wilderness to by famine. This was right before Hashem responded with the month. So that was like a tremendous chutzpah, tremendous anger to Hashem. The Arava, which means literally in the plain. So Rashi says this means because of the sin of the plain, when they sinned with Baal Pa'ar, because it says they sinned with Baal Pa'ar in Arvos Mayav, Shitim and Arvos Moab. Balpa'ar, of course, was the affair we just learned about when the Moabite, the Midianite girls, seduced the men and had them do a desert. Mulsuf, opposite the Yamsuf. So there's two affairs that this alludes to. One is when they came to the Yamsuf and they said, oh, there's not enough graves in Egypt, so you took us into the wilderness. And also, when they came out from the Yamsuf, it says that after they crossed the sea, they had a lack of a moon and said, wait a minute, we're coming out of the sea on one side. Could be the Egyptians are emerging on the other side and they're going to come and follow us. So those are two different transgressions that have to do with the Amsof. Between Paran and Tofa Lavan. So Roshim Rechai says there's no such place of Tofa Lavan in the whole Tanakh. But it means he's giving them Musa that they shetaflu, they made light of, the man, which is white. In other words, they said, oh, we're so sick of this food. Here, this is God giving them the food of angels, the dessert we're having by Mashiach, and they were like ungrateful. So that's tofelavan. And paran is what they did in Midbar Paran, meaning the sin of the spies. Hatseros, also here we have two things. Either Chatseros is Kairach, that the whole Machlekes of Kairach happened in Chatseros, or others say Chatseros was Miriam, that Miriam spoke Lashon Hara, again, it's sort of a Machlekes, if you learn the beginning of the Parsha of the Meraglim, the whole sequence of Miriam, Kairach, and the Meraglim. But according to this perspective, 
Atzeris refers to Miriam that she's in her and she she got punished, but you didn't learn from it because then you went and indulged in the Lashonhara of the Muraglam of the spies. The Dizahav is Musr for Cheta Egel. Why is Dizahav Cheta Egel? Because of D, Dizahav, like so much gold. Because I gave you so much gold, like, oh my gosh, so much gold. What am I supposed to do with all this gold? Yeah, let's make this Ego, which Ego was a massive, massive amount of gold. That was all the Musser in a very, very gentle way, meaning because of the colors of the Jews, very alluding to it, but many, many different things they had done wrong over the years. Moshe goes on to say in the next Pasuk, it's 11 days travel from Chayrev, Chayrev is Harsinai, through the way of Harseir until Kadesh Barnea. Now, what is he trying to tell them here? What he's saying is, when you left Harsinai, they were at Harsinai for almost a year, and when you left Harsinai, you traveled so quickly to Kadesh Barnea, which was right when they were supposed to go from there to Eretz Yisrael. This was, again, put in perspective. They were in Harsinai for about a year. They got there and they left there almost a year later on the 20th of year. So just 10 days short a year. And they were supposed to go directly from Harsinai to Eretz Yisrael. And it's an 11-day trip, which isn't so long, from Harsinai, from Chayre to Kadesh Barnea. Where from Kadesh Barnea, this was supposed to take them to Eretz Yisrael. But it actually took you three days. Why did it take you three days? Because Hashem so much wanted to get into Israel already. But then what happened? You messed up there in Kajvarneha, and you decided to send the spies. And because you sent the spies, we got stuck in the desert for 40 years. So this is, again, part of the Musar. The Cheshpin of how being three days, I'll try to say briefly, because I know I want to keep this to 15 minutes. The Jews left Harsinai the 20th of year. They arrived in Kajvarneha, on the 29th of season. You could say that sounds like a lot more than three days. But, again, because the Jews messed up, things happened. 30 days we had Kirvus HaTaiva, when the Jews wanted the meat and that whole situation. Seven days in Chatseros, where Miriam was quarantined and we waited for Miriam. If you take away those 37 days, it's actually left at three days. So Hashem pushed you to do an 11-day journey with Kriyat Sadar for three days. He's so much wanted to enter his throne. And look what you did. Next Pasuk. Now, this is in the 40th year, in the 11th month, on the first day of the month. Here we are on Rosh Chayyash Shvat. Again, Maisha will be in Estalik on Zion Adar. And Maisha is speaking to the Jewish people, everything Hashem said. So why do we have this information that we need to know exactly how close to Moshe's end are these words? So Rashi says, because this is Bidafka to teach us that he only gave the Musa very close to his death. In other words, we know the Jews came to Arvos Maya in the 40th year. So obviously we know it was in his final year. But the Pasuk is saying the exact date, Rosh Chayyashvat, to show how close it is to his histalka, Zayin Adar, because he, they want us to know that he gave Musar right before he passed away. And Rashi says there are four reasons why, two of which Rashi enumerates. One is 
we don't want to give a person muster and then have to give it to him again. Another is we don't want to give him muster and then keep seeing him so he's embarrassed in front of us. Um, the other two reasons, which Rashi doesn't quote, is the person should harbor a grudge, so you should leave on peaceful terms. But obviously those aren't true just on because Rashi doesn't say them. The Pasuk then continues, Pasuk Zalad, after Moshe struck Bichon and Og. So why do we have to mention this? Again, I mean, we know we just finished the Sefer Devar, Bivmedvar. So Rashi explains this was also bidafk and precise. Moshe is saying, if I give them Musa right before they come to Territ Israel, they'll say, well, what did you do for us? So here, first I waited till we conquered Sichon and Oi. Now we have these huge territories. So now you can make the muster. And then in the plus, it gives a lot of details about this conquering of, of Sichon and Og with details that all are bringing out their strength, which again enhances the greatness, obviously of Hashem and Maisha here, in conquering it for Klai Yisrael. So it says, Sichon Cheshben. So Rashi explains that Sichon was so impossible to conquer, and Cheshben was a city that was so impossible to conquer. Sichon was so powerful as a human giant. And Cheshbon was such a crazy fortified city. And yet here it's a double, both. You have Sichon and Cheshbon. And they were conquered. And then about Og, Og it says lived in Astros in Edrei. So Astros, again Rashi says basically the same comment. Og was this tremendously fierce giant. And Astros was a very strong country. Or actually it really wasn't a country. It really was... Uh, city in the country. So it's very strong also. It's the same issue. Then another comment, Rashi explains that astros means cliffs or harshness. So again, bring out the idea of the strength. Edrei, Rashi is explaining the name of the country. Meaning, it could sound confusing. Wait, you're in astros or he was in Edrei? Where was he? So Rashi is saying astros was the city and Edrei was the country. Fifth pasuk, an Avar yard in the land of Maya, Maisha Ho'il, which Rashi explains means began. To explain this Torah saying, to explain the Torah, Rashi says in 70 languages, was translated into 70 languages. Obviously, we know he doesn't begin now to clarify the Torah. He's been teaching them the Torah for 40 years. So this clarification is this idea of the translation to these languages. Moshe said, Pasad Vav, we're going back now in time to when the Jews were leaving Harsinai before they went into the Midgar and then messed up with Maraglam. Hashem said to us, saying, you've been a long time by this mountain. So Rashi explains, Rav Lechem Sheves. There's the Pshat meaning, which is, you've been a long time by this mountain. Like, move on. And the Medrash, which is, wow, Rav Lechem, you have acquired so much by this mountain, so many amazing things. You, you made the whole Mishkan. You got the Torah. You have the Sanhedrin. You have all the hierarchy of leaders of Kuala Yisrael. So the Medrash is saying you've gained much because of dwelling by this mountain. So now what should you do? Turn and travel and come to the Haramayri, the mountains of the Mayri, all its neighbors, and the Arava, the plain, on the mountains, on the lowlands, in the south, on the seashore, the lands of the Kanani, the Lebanon, the great River, Nahar Pras. In other words, Hashem is saying, Moshe is recounting what happened then some 39 years previously. 
Now, this was about a year after they'd been in the Midbar, right? They left the Tzrayim. They went to Arsini. They got the Torah. They were there for almost a year. And now Hashem is saying, let's move on. I want to give you Eretz Yisrael. Let's go to Eretz Yisrael. We're, we're ready for the next step. So in this Rashi, Penus Ulechem, saying this is a turn and journey, which seems like sort of extra wording. So Rashi's saying it means one leg of the journey, and then coming to the Har HaMairi is like the next leg. Coming to the Har HaMairi is like, it sounds simply, meaning that Moram lived on a mountain. So why does Rashi have to point that out? Because until now, every time we mentioned a place, it was allegorical. It referred to something. This sin, this sin, this sin. Oh, or this land so strong, or this. It always had a reference. It had implications. So Rashi's saying here, it means the Pashtas. They lived on mountains. All of the neighbors, Amon, Moav, Seir, the plain. So Rashi is clarifying here. This means literally the wooded plain, because again, previously in Pesachos we use the same word Arava, and that meant, meant something in the desert. On the mountain, this refers to the mountain of the king, which means an area in Eretz Yisrael. Ubashvela. This is the lowlands in the south, meaning in Eretz Yisrael. Ubanegev of in the south on the seacoast. Ashkelon, Azara, Kesari, etc. All of these are places in Eretz Yisrael until the Great River. Now, this Great River is Nahar Pras. So the question is, why are we calling it the Great River? Initially, in Bracious, when we speak of the four rivers, this is the least of the four. Aye, but it's the river that's connected to Eretz Yisrael. If you're connected to something great, you're great. Because of the river Eretz Yisrael, it's the Great River. So basically, Pesach Zion is Hashem saying, you spent a long time in Harsin. It's been an amazing experience. Now let's move on and go to Eretz Yisrael. Here, I'm describing to you where you're going to. Behold, I've given you this land. Come and conquer it. Come and take possession of it. Sorry, not conquer. I translate it wrong. You should hear us to inherit. Come and inherit it. The land I promised to your others, to Avram, Yusuf, and Yaakov. The gift to you, like, come to Eretz Yisrael. I want to give you Eretz Yisrael. So Rashi, see I have given. So Rashi says, you don't have to, you know, this isn't just someone telling you something. You saw it with your own eyes, meaning Hashem is talking to them after their year in Chayrev. You already saw how I miraculously defeated Mitzrayim. From Mitzrayim until Harsinai, you saw my miraculous defeat of Amalek. So you know what I'm going to do to the nations living in Israel. You've seen it. You don't have to believe it. You've seen it. So come and take possession. The Rashi explains again, there's no, there's no, there's not going to be any conflict. You're not going to need to fight. You're just going to walk in. I'm going to take care of it for you. Arashi says, that is what would have happened if they hadn't had the sin of the spies. Meaning, 39 years later, when they enter with Yeshua, they do have to fight. Yes, it's very miraculous, and they have miraculous victories, but there are wars. Initially, there weren't supposed to be any wars. Or Rashu, come and inherit. Lavosechem. So the question is, if it says Lavosechem to your fathers, we know what that means Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov. Why does the Pesach then repeat to Abram, Jesus, and to Yaakov? So Rashi says it means to tell us that each one individually, in their own individual merit, was worthy of the Yidin getting Eretz Yisrael. The ninth Pesach. At this point, Moshe is saying, I said to you then, at that time, I can't carry you alone. So the Pesach says, I said to you, saying. Saying always means to give it over to someone else. 
Moshe is talking to Kali Yisrael. The same. So Rashi explains, Moshe is saying, it's not just my idea. I'm really giving over to you what Hashem said to tell me. Meaning, if Hashem hadn't told me to talk about it, I just would have suffered in silence. I cannot alone carry you. Why not? We're saying, what? Moshe could do a lot of great things. You know, the man, the, the splitting the yamsa of the Slavs. He can't judge them. But he said, no, it's very hard to judge Kali Yisrael because Hashem makes you so big that if I mess up on the judgment, it's my problem, not yours. And then the last public in this section, Hashem made you so great, you're like the stars of the heavens. So Rashi questions this and says, how could Moshe say this? At this time, they weren't like the stars of the heaven. There was a number. There were 600,000. The stars of the heaven are myriads and myriads. But what he meant was you're compared to the stars, just like they are eternal in the heavens, so to you at this point are eternal and existing forever with this enormous beauty and light. And that is the Chitas of Sunday.